Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Welcome along to the football show. We'll be keeping an eye on the second halves of those games in the Premier League. Also speaking to Philippe Claire a little bit later on this hour, what's been an absolutely crazy story about the extortion of Paul Pogba, which has been effectively going on for the last four months or so. Um, a group of his so-called former friends and his brother have been trying to extort him for around about 13 million euro. They managed to get 100,000 from him when they caught him with a group in balaclavas, essentially, and assault rifles in an apartment block in Paris. Uh, him to the bank and he was only able to take out €100,000. This has been going back for some time but is also a huge distraction uh, for Paul Pogba just a couple of months ahead of the World Cup. Kylian Mbappe's name has been brought into the story as well. Uh, Talk about a hex being put on uh, France's star striker. We'll talk about all that with Philippe Clare a little bit later on this hour. But till I say, Dan McDonald's here with me as well. Dan, how are you getting on? Hi, well, how are things? Uh, We have to start with Keith Long. It's a story you've been covering across the day. Um, I think it was around five o'clock this afternoon uh, when the speculation around the fact that he was going to be leaving his position uh, became made official by an announcement from Bohemians and they parted company with their manager. Yeah, um, it's it's probably one that's happened pretty quickly. Well, like they lost three one to some Pats last night, and they're playing as you would have referenced earlier in the show. Like they're playing Rovers on on Friday, big derby, um, and you know there was a story earlier today about sort of uh, Rovers fans being uh, annoyed with the allocation they're getting for that game. And it was actually around that time I sort of was trying to get in touch with some people at Bowes um, in response to that, and wasn't wasn't getting any replies and then it sort of made sense when um started to hear on the grapevine that there was something happening with, with Keith Long and um sure enough that was that was the case. Um and it was it sort of it it was confirmed around five o'clock but I think it was it was going around to sort of certainly football circles a couple of hours earlier than that. So um it is surprising. Like it's unusual I mean he's the second longest serving manager in the history of the club. You know, with eight years, oh, not not quite eight years, eight years this October. Um, Billy Young did 16, the second longest serving manager in the Premier Division at the moment after Ollie Horgan. Um, and after Stephen Bradley, who'd be next, there'd be a, a fair gap. Used and it, yeah. so it's um, like it, it is actually, he's, he has had a great time there. And you probably sense that there's real, there's a lot of sort of emotion, I think, in the announcements. Because even when you start to hear that he could be, that maybe he was he was on the way out earlier. Um, there would have been some people who was who were a little bit sort of unclear if this could is something that could be happening because um, he does have very good relationships with people at the club, like in you know and in, in high up there, and he probably was very much. You, you see that the tone of the statements, like he's a sort of a true bohemian, and at a time when like like he's been in charge when Bowes has. As a statement reference, like we're we're sort of drifting a bit and coming off the back of their sort of real bad financial issues, or, or in fact still sort of in them really, in uh, in 2014, and he's been to the fore at a time when bows have become like this this brand and this sort of um, people will mock it, but it's like it's a, it's a still a big sort of success story in terms of like now full houses he's still even still last night things are bad but it's still actually uh, sold out games you know like it's not as if uh, people are voting with their feet or something like that it hasn't been that type of managerial um, sort of dissolution in terms of how an era has come apart it hasn't really really been like that but because um, he's so synonymous with their rise and very much in keeping with their I don't know the whole Bose story that's going on 
it's obviously doubly hard for them probably to, to part. If it was just some manager who'd come in for 18 months and people are used to that in football now, like you see managers and particularly, not just, I mean here, you, know, I just, you, you sense it over in across the water, but it does happen here too. You have people who go somewhere and they'll they'll move on pretty quickly. Um, but this is different. So there's actually a sort of, and like it's been a tough time for Bowes re- recently. Like, you know, they've lost sort of Mono, Derek Monaghan, like a big, big sort of massive presence behind the scenes and and then you have this situation where it's it's for some people like I don't know there's no glee or there's no you know the way when a manager leaves his job maybe there's some fans who'll be you know the, you know about time and stuff but generally it's not it's not from that place of that sort of rancor or that sort of toxicity it's not really like that it's more a case of yeah, maybe just this had reached the end of the road. Is part of that too, and like Bo said in their statement, it's with regret that we announced the fact that Keith Long is going to be leaving the club. That for many fans, there's probably an understanding with the amount of players, the huge turnover that they've had and players leaving the club in the last year in particular, that this became very difficult. They might look at things on the field and say, look, it's been really bad in recent weeks, particularly yeah. and outside of the cup performances, they've been poor in the league. But at the same time, when a squad is effectively leaving en masse, it becomes very difficult for any manager. Yeah, and like, there's probably going to be that sliding doors feeling about the, the penalty shootout in the cup final at the Aviva last year. Um, although in saying that, I think quite a few of the players who, who left were due to go at that point anyway. But still, if they had European football this year, it just gives you a small bit of momentum and maybe it just makes it harder to pick up and do that rebuild again. And again, not everyone would be listing would be like fully familiar with sort of the Bowes evolution as a club as well but Bowes were were at a, a point where the, their, their sort of thing in the last couple of years is uh, in a Premier Division now that is almost entirely full-time professional they're still sort of they have this part-time thing now in fairness most of the players at the club actually don't have other jobs like the, that would have been more the case in recent years not really this year but there'd be one or two and people in various coaching positions and there was a sense of there's a little bit of an underdog story here wrapped up with the Bose identity but they're sort of transitioning from that at the moment like they're going to the morning training next year and they've started to sign players on longer term contracts this year or this multi-year contracts in fact Keith Long signed nine players last month um, some of whom I think I'm not sure I don't have it to hand but quite a few of them I think are certainly beyond the end of this season so it looked like everything, all the blocks were being put in place for him to be the manager and to oversee that change to probably being a full-time club. And that, that's where the sort of, the there's that sort of poignant element to it without being too sort of, you know, put it in the perspective of, of other things in life. But, you know, he's brought them probably to a certain part of the journey and now he steps aside and, and it's, a great, it's a great job. Like, it actually is a great job and it's a club that's probably vibrant in a lot of ways um, and has a far better job than the one that then he inherited. So it's obviously unfortunate when you then have to step away and and someone else may come in and and find that they're starting from a better place. That they'll probably start with more pressure on them too. So there's two sides of looking at that. Mm. Uh, two Irish scores in the Birmingham and Norwich game in the Championship, by the way, uh, was the first goal scored by Scott Hogan, who with his goals for Birmingham putting himself back in contention ahead of the squad being named uh, for the two games in the Nations League for the Republic of Ireland, and then a man who's in wonderful form in Oma Bamadeli has scored the equaliser for Norwich. And I was um, chatting to Stephen Kenny at the weekend, Dan. He was talking about just the array of options that he has at centre back at the moment. There's one of those. Real 
real mm. strong parts of the team where everyone kind of focused on the three goalkeepers and two of them now playing in the Premier League and Cueven Keller at a Premier League club with Liverpool but the way that the centre-backs have started the season okay Shane Duffy is being restricted to just time off the bench yeah. it's been a slow start for Seamus Coleman but the younger defenders that have been used in the three different defending positions as centre-backs have all started the season pretty well and it's great to see Darrow Shea particularly as well you know back to fitness again Yeah and like I was thinking about this the other day I mean like clearly I mean it's not as if they're they're instantly going to step on the pitch with Ireland together and like strike up this amazing understanding although you know at, at various times they've played together for Ireland at, at underage or senior level and like, you, like for example like Amoba Badeli came in last year you know was this sort of star turn and got injured then and sort of disappeared before Nathan Collins had actually effectively met his senior Ireland debut. So there's a sense that like they haven't they haven't all or certainly competitive debut only in the case of Collins, that they, they won't have spent time on the pitch. But you do it like you, you do let the mind wander and think, wow, like what platform this can give the team going forward. Like if you have that situation where you have the solid goalkeeper and you have a really good quality defence and even had a play like Collins is so comfortable they're all good on the ball so comfortable commanding um, you know Omova Bedelli as well both like those two in particular you know that they're able to sort of take risks that they're, they're, they've got a bit of recovery speed or that ability to sort of like I suppose Ireland they're going to try and play and a bit more front foot and, and play with a slightly higher line at times and as a result they have the ability to maybe recover occasionally a criticism you can make and I, I say you make I mean people who, who know the game more than me you speak to sort of ex-defenders and stuff like that who would point out that sometimes um, Shane Duffy there might have been a tendency you might defend a little bit deeper because that's a little bit more his game um, whereas and, and I'm not saying that there won't be a role for Shane Duffy like I think there might well be there might well be still The problem is um, a lack of role for Fulham though again. Yeah well, that's, that's an issue for him in terms of the context of September yeah, Like Andrews yeah. and Kenny were due to go and watch um, the Brentford against uh, Fulham game to have a look at him and then Duffy's um, what's called sorry um, for Fulham's next game so like they want to go and look at him he played a bit in the EFL Cup last week I think he came on an injury time in the first two games after he got loaned it's going to be difficult for him to break in now he'll probably back his own ability to get into that yeah. team but yeah I mean I, I don't know Like I think there might be there may be times where in a double header they'll decide that you need Duffy for one game and, and maybe not for another depending on the, the scenario you're still going to like Ireland I suppose these international windows like they disappear into memory and you f- sometimes forget some of the details I mean they have struggled against teams who occasionally operate with a low block against them in Dublin um, and I think there's games like that where you possibly realise you're not going to be exposed as much in, in other ways you think yeah Shane Duffy like he can be the middle of the back three but wander forward and get involved and get in the end of crosses from throws and we've, we've seen how they can do that so but I do think like you can that's the minute of like games going up over the longer term it is sort of the idea of a team with sort of uh, Collins and Mubba Bedelli and Darrow Shea potentially on the left or I mean I wouldn't John Egan is probably you think he's old in the context of that he's just gone 30 um, this at start of this year like there is, there's just a range of options there, and I think the good thing is that there's a, there's obviously a degree of pecking order, but not really in such a case that like if there's an injury, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you hear Even before Daryl Lennon slot in, Daryl Lennon needed, exceptionally yeah. good in that game. I felt you know for someone who was who was new and he's gone to Middlesbrough and sort of will have aspirations of probably playing in the Premier League still, you know, during his time there. So no, it is a great it's a great problem to have and. Clearly, the next step is still you're going to you know the midfield department and and that's the next step. But 
the ability, like the confidence that the team will have. And to be fair, they haven't conceded a huge amount of goals in recent years under successive managers. And that point would, would be made. But I think the ability to have players who can be suited to the way that Stephen Kenny wants the team to play, that it's not their good defenders, but maybe they don't suit the style. Now it's good defenders who are perfect for the style. And I think that's the good thing about it. This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. She didn't even have to break stride. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, I mean, just we watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. Uh, Leeds have just equalised against Everton, by the way, at Elland Road. And it's Nestor who's just uh, put the ball in the net for them. So that's now a goal apiece at this stage. And we've also had an equaliser laid on in the Crystal Palace against Brentford game. Uh, Brentford have drawn themselves level with just a couple of minutes to go. And it's Vissa who scored the goal. So Crystal Palace won, Brentford won. Elsewhere, Fulham lead laid on against Brighton. That's uh, Shane Duffy's on loan club up against his parent club, Fulham lead 2-1. Uh, so it looks like Brighton's unbeaten start to the season is coming to an end. And about 15 minutes to go, so Hampton 2, Chelsea 1. As I mentioned, Leeds against Everton coming up in the hour is a goal apiece. And Dan, we've been watching, I don't know, we've obviously been chatting the last few minutes, but Southampton have been really good um, so far in this game against yeah. Chelsea and had a really good chance to go 3-1 up and went just wide. We're just watching it here where there was another chance from a corner and Thiago Silva's flicked one off the line that was uh, definitely going in. It was a header that took a little bit of a deflection, I think, that took it goalwards. Uh, Mendy was beaten and this really instinctive flick on the line by Thiago Silva the ball sort of going in past his right side and he sort of flicks up his heel and, and scoops it away so um, no definitely uh, well, I think 9 attempts to 7 in terms of the match stats in favour of Southampton and 7-3 on target so um their, their, their value for their 2-1 lead that's for sure Yeah things can turn around pretty quickly um, Southampton got a couple of goals against Leicester won that game a couple of weeks ago we're probably unlucky not to take something from St Mary's against Manchester United at the weekend and here they are now you know, doing pretty much all the pressing against Chelsea as we head into the last half hour or so in that game and if Southampton were to win they would go above Chelsea in the table and look for Chelsea they need to get probably a forward in I think in the next 48 hours that has to be their priority Yeah like I don't know and I think like Chelsea season it's been strange, you know. They played, they played very well against Spurs and didn't win. And um, then at the weekend, to be fair, like you know, down to ten, and they they do a job on Leicester. But there's something still not quite right about how they approach some of their their recruitment and how they've left things so late. Um, and you're right about the. I mean, there's sort of been. You know, Pulis is just going. He's staying. They're keeping him there. You know, Werner's obviously moved along, and and Lukaku and. They do, but I mean, what what do you get at this time other than like twenty seven million for Aubameyang looks a big risk. Yeah, the only thing is, like, at least if you if you like Chelsea as a club has been a bit mad in recent years, but it, it does feel like that that this manager has a little bit of authority, and that you would presume is his signing, like properly his signing, because from perspective of having worked with him before and believing that he can get a response from him, as opposed to at times at Chelsea at various times you would have felt. Again, the manager was being given players as opposed to so at least then, like Tuchel, like yeah, I, I see your point about it. I understand the skepticism that people would have about that deal, but at least it's not Shevchenko, it's not Torres, where the feeling was Abramovich wanted those. Yeah, two. like like Tuchel is sort of a, he'll live and die by that decision at least, you know. And if it doesn't work out, it's on him rather than say on the quirks of the club. So, um, like that's the Chelsea thing to like give the manager authority. We've seen times in the last year where it seems like he's been backed in that regard, and and across the change of regime 
time that he's been back. So, um, but yeah, like it's I don't know what realistic to expect from Chelsea this season. I remember last year tipping them to win the league, like off the back of the Champions League. That because of Lukaku as well. I think yeah, we all fell into that trap. Just completely fell into that trap. Yeah, it was completely wrong. And and now, like I don't really know. Like there's still this natural buzz about Arsenal's improvement and people naturally expecting Spurs to be better and yet there's still a part of you that thinks would it be really that shocking if Chelsea finished ahead of both of them like it wouldn't be an extraordinary shock you know but um, I think a lot comes down to what happens in the next two days because I thought when Lukaku was going out on loan and Lukaku made it fairly clear he didn't want to be at the club for this year it goes back to Inter and then you end up with Werner going back to Leipzig as well. It became really clear they needed to get a forward in. They had already signed Raheem Sterling, who's a good signing. Yeah, very made, much so. Yeah. And they made good defensive signings. Like Cucurella adds an awful lot of depth on the left-hand side. And Koulibaly is a very good defender to be able to bring in to replace Rudiger and goes you know, effectively straight into the system here. But without bringing in a striker, they were always going to be left short because you can't really rely on Kai Havertz to be the goal scorer within that team. No, I no no no. You're right, and like it's it's, you know, it's you you the way you describe that, like you, it would appear to be clear that they've been waiting for something to come true all along, and this is part of the plan. Why else would you let certain people go? Although there's probably still a book, as much as like Hakim Ziyech, who's on the pitch at the moment, could well could go well to be going Alex as well. Anthony yeah, has gone to United. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there is an, an element. There's a half a facade of balancing the books with some of these clubs now. Still, that like, you have to do a small bit of it for sort of housekeeping purposes and for fair play purposes. Like it's to to a degree. Um, and yeah, maybe there is something coming. But as I said, I just don't like these last minute signings at this level. It's like doesn't always point to your recruitment being fully on point and and it can cause problems. But still, like when they have their strongest team out, like obviously Kante has been injured too. Like when they have their strongest eleven out, they're still pretty good, you know. And and maybe maybe like they're they're gonna they're hoping that Sterling, it may well be that Sterling you know liberated from sort of the city uncertainty is, is actually their guy they're looking to if something falls through Sterling was talking a few weeks ago about how he was very unhappy about the fact that he was been dropped for some of the big games for Man City and felt like his relationship with the coaching team of Pep Guardiola possibly fell apart a little bit towards the end of it like this is now three consecutive games that Raheem Sterling has scored and you know, obviously, he wants to get back to top form to try and get guaranteed in the England team for the World Cup as well. He could be really important. We've all, we've spoken about Gabriel Jesus as being the yeah. one that Man City let go, but Sterling potentially could be huge for Chelsea this year. And I think so. I, I think it's it's always these things that you'll have these players at these like elite super clubs, and it's only when they step. I mean, Chelsea are still. You know, let's be fair; they're not many miles off that bracket. Like they've won the Champions League, you know, more recently or uh, more times than City ever have, but. I think it's it's that sense of like to be operating in that city dressing room and to be a proper player like involved in a lot of big games you have to be exceptionally good and it's when you take them out of that and you put them into a slightly different setting you realise how incredibly good they are and I think you, you probably see that a bit with like Zinchenko even playing for Ukraine and you realise yeah he's not necessarily if, if, you, if you'd ask someone that's your name 10 Man City players they wouldn't, they wouldn't name him but then you see him in that environment or in a slightly different environment realise well, it was like a waste as well good. that Zinchenko was a left back and was moved there by Man City to you know, fill a position for them and then you see him playing for Ukraine such a comfortable ball player in the middle of the park yeah. you're thinking maybe he's not quite able to reach his full potential by actually fulfilling a role for City yeah and, and may well be that starting like this is he's got a certain degree of maturity like when it came down to it for England at times I know he's had negative commentary there but he, he pretty much delivered for them you know he was he was he was he's he's been decent for them at, at key moments at other times he's got grief but 
like he is I, I've always been a fan like I think he's an excellent player and it's more now when he doesn't like the Pep thing is not for everyone like it's I mean he's clearly an amazing manager but for some people maybe there's a shelf life where they just can't you know there comes the point where they need to sort of just get away from that and now Sterling's at a slightly older slightly more mature and he's at the point where he can flourish and I think yeah I think he'd be a terrific signing for them What do you make we got to see Mitrovic uh, up close and personal because of uh, Serbia against the Republic of Ireland yeah. recently Mitrovic now has five goals in the Premier League since coming back up and the question mark was always there The Mitrovic is a 30 plus striker within the championship but sometimes maybe he gets labelled as a Dwight Gale type who can't quite yeah. go to the Premier League and it didn't make sense right did it like based on his, on his international performances like because when you think yeah. about it like for Serbia against Portugal like Serbia topped that qualifying group of Portugal and the, the difference was Mitrovic stepping up at, at key moments in big games and like Portugal aren't championship defenders yeah you know um, he is like like it, it was like his like there was I know you'd have like David Healy or someone right who likes he is the outlier every single the time outlier, yeah. like, he was like you know sort of world class when he played for, for Northern Ireland and, and couldn't even maybe set the championship alight other than sort of one or two seasons but the, the level of Mitrovic displays for Serbia was just so high level it didn't make sense that he was a championship flat track bully you know in saying that I'm not sure if I saw him being a sort of finishing the top three in the Premier League goal scoring charts and, and, he, going, might not, yes. and he may not but it does look like he could be that sort of 15-20 goal season in Premier League level which to be honest might be the difference between Fulham staying up and going down Gavin Bazzini just made a very good save as well Kovacic uh, header from a corner uh, hits the ground Bazzini had to kind of readjust a little bit made a good save pushed it around the post it's still a lead for Southampton against Chelsea by two goals to one elsewhere it's just finished Fulham two Brighton one and a goal apiece between Crystal Palace and Brentford and like Dan Bazzini at the weekend made a really good double save uh, particularly the one that um, Bruno Fernandes after he saved his Bazzini had to get back up and use his legs to make the save as well what I liked about him at the weekend he's become really commanding and was like yeah. talking to his defence his kicking is getting better as he goes along as well these are the skills he's going to have to pick up in the Premier League that aren't just shot stopping like he had at Rochdale and Portsmouth yeah but look I don't I, I mean I don't think he's even become commanding I think that's his natural personality it's just been able to to uh, translate that to like this stage where he's been watched by more people than ever before like I I think you know you, so you see Gavin Bazuna at 16 and commanding would be a word that would spring to mind just because of how he carries himself but there was always that little question mark it wasn't a big one really for people but it was there like how easily does that adapt particularly when there's like I mean Pearl Mark Travers at the weekend like you know it's, it's a tough gig and Gavin Bazuna was going to have days like that this year where he concedes Spurs goals game early yeah like there, he's already had games where he's conceded a lot of goals and uh, because we're w- wanting so much from him, um, but even the new audience in the Premier League are like, oh, who is this guy? Because you, know, you concede four, it's like, who is this keeper? Um, and there's always the danger to overanalyze maybe some of the goals he would concede relative to others. But now nah, I think just listening to people and, 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 and sort of the people who cover that beat and, and the general tone and the fan reaction and stuff, I think it's pretty obvious they can see he is he belongs in this company. And... Yeah, I'm not saying every game is going to be brilliant. He might concede goal mid-sentence while I talk here. Um, but 
I think over the long haul, I think there's no doubt. Uh, I mean, Man City put a buyback clause in that deal for a reason. Like they didn't, they didn't think uh, this was a guy who'd reached, who'd, who'd who'd gone too high by going to City and it was dropping down. It was a case of they just didn't have the games for him, but they want control of him just in case he goes on to to be what they think he could be. He could have a busy last 15 minutes or so here. Uh, Bazunu's got down smartly when Sterling tried to cut the ball back. He's going to take as much time on the ground as he possibly can. Still about 15 minutes left. Southampton continue to lead by two goals to one. The football show is brought to you by Sky, proud partner of our women's national football team. Don't miss Ireland take on Finland on Thursday night. Full time in tonight's games in the Premier League. It has just finished up at Elland Road, a goal apiece between Leeds and Everton. Southampton holding on for a 2-1 victory against Chelsea. The Saints up into the top six in the Premier League, knocking Chelsea down to seventh. Fulham ending Brighton's unbeaten start to the season. Fulham winning by two goals to one. And it was a goal apiece between Crystal Palace and Brentford. In the Championship this evening, still top of the table, Sheffield United 4-0 winners against Reading. Norwich are now up to second. Oma Bamadeli scoring for them this evening in their 2-1 victory away from home against Birmingham. Burnley beat Millwall by two goals to nil. Luton 2-1 winners on the road against Cardiff. Elsewhere, it was a goal apiece between Wigan and West Brom and Watford have beaten Middlesbrough by two goals to one. A late winner in that one for Watford. So Sheffield United, uh, with their unbeaten start to the season, still sitting on top of the English second flight. Just time to tell you about what's coming up on OTB AM in the morning, live and off the ball social channels from half past seven. Former Republic of Ireland boss Sue Ronan is going to be joining the guys to preview Thursday's Crunch World Cup qualifier against Finland. Mead ladies football legend Jenny Rispin on the legacy which is left behind by the departing manager Eamon Murray with his two senior titles and an intermediate title as well as leagues at Division 1, 2 and 3 and deal or no deal ahead of the transfer window which closes on Thursday. Good luck. Football on Off The Ball With Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.